Hello, everyone, and welcome to the C2C podcast, the Classroom to Community podcast. I'm here with Kevin, uh, and today we're going to be talking about arts and entertainment in education. Hello, thank you for having me, Jeremiah. So to get us started off, the importance of, of well-roundedness, right, and the importance of media entertainment as a tool for education encapsulated within art is a lot of culture and language is a big part of culture. So tell me a little bit about some of your favorite ways to use media as an education tool. And before I let you talk real quick, I, I feel like the classic example that a lot of us know is, you know, maybe you're in high school and your teacher's out for the day. So the substitute comes in and rolls in the, the TV on a cart. Um, and, you know, you, you watch Bill Nye, if you're, if you're my age, or, you know, an, an educational TV show, right? And I think that's the, the simplest and, and most common example, but especially when you're working with, with multiple languages, um, you, it's a challenge, but you can also get a lot more creative with the media that you use. Absolutely, absolutely. You can use almost anything, really. My big thing is music. I'm a musician myself, so you know everyone talks about music being the universal language where words fail, and that's true. Um, I recently led a discussion with some of our adult uh, ESL students where we listened to a song, um, actually uh, hanging on the telephone, a cover by Blondie, um, when we were talking about uh, uh, talking on the phone. Um, so it got the students to not only think about the words of the song, but also to think about the context, to think about the, um, the, the culture that's uh, uh, intrinsically linked within the song. Um, you know, one of the students... Uh, commented that uh, the song sounds happy and the words sound happy. Yeah, th- I, thinking of music also, there's a lot of lyricism and wit in, in, in almost any song that as a, as a native speaker, you, you kind of um, automatically understand, right? But, um, and I, I think we touched briefly before on it. English is a really hard language to learn um, with, among other things, a lot of idioms um, and and turns of phrase that I think come out a, a lot in music, um, especially, you know, if you think of the history of music um, in terms of, like, folk culture, um, storytelling, uh, a lot of a lot of those, those idioms and sayings and phrases um, that we as native speakers might find commonplace um, are not only interesting linguistic examples but also really deeply rooted um in the culture and this is not just english right deeply rooted in the culture of the language absolutely absolutely and to go on the example of hanging on the telephone again um you know one of the idioms that is actually gosh i'm just realizing it's a generational thing um because you don't really hang up telephones anymore but they yeah, were they were talking yeah. about hanging up the telephone ringing the telephone off the wall and you also had the uh wordplay of w-r-i-n-g ring to pull the telephone off the wall versus ringing the telephone like ringing ringing so um yeah you definitely have those play of languages that you would get in almost like poetry or mm-hmm. um uh other 
uh, means and medias of literature, but with music especially. Um, if you can't really digest the words as words, you can still digest the music, right? And there is still that communicative tool of tempo, of key, um, all these literative, I would call them, uh, yeah. within the world of music, all these literative um, tools to communicate where, um, you know, you might have five words to say one thing, but you could also have um, five songs or five keys even to say one thing. Yeah, absolutely. And something I thought that was interesting that you touched on was the the generational aspect, right? You know, we don't hang up telephones anymore. Um, and I think music also, you know, words and phrases can kind of be, be limited by, by a certain time. Um, but I think music is a lot longer lasting than a lot of other tools, right? Um, it's, you know, hanging up a telephone might not be relevant now, but, you know, for, for about a century or more it was. Right, um, exactly. And, and you know, certainly even people, people today um, are, are familiar with an with a analog telephone, right? Um, the concept, you know, because, you know, even if you haven't grown up with it, you've probably seen it in a movie or you've heard a song about it enough to kind of get the context right um so you know i think that speaks to the power of of media obviously you know for teaching many things to a native audience right in addition to being a a, a good tool for uh language acquisition and understanding but to to move on from music um media in general have you used any non-musical you know I know I gave Bill Nye an example earlier, but um, even just the power of recorded video, right? You know, we do a lot of video with LCMC staff, and that allows us to reach a wider audience because we record it and we get it on YouTube, and it can go out to people who, you know, don't have the time or transportation or for whatever reason, you know, can't get to the office in person. It's, you know, for the obvious reasons, convenient, right? Recorded video lives pretty much forever and can be accessed any time. Yeah, recorded media is, I think, very crucial to language acquisition, to language learners, because um, you can pause, you can rewind, you can fast forward. Um, now some technologies are out there for closed captioning, like live closed captioning, and I think that's one of the silver linings, if there can be any silver linings to the pandemic, is that it showcased how much we need not only recorded communications and recorded media, but equitable mm -hmm. communications and equitable media. And by that, I mean closed captions. By that, I mean uh, uh, wider access to materials, so like recording materials, disseminating them. And um, internet access, too. Oh, my gosh, yeah, internet yeah. access, yeah. Um, you know, I was 
during, in the beginning of the pandemic, I uh, was a teacher at a elementary school in D.C. And um, one of the things that made me really happy was to see how the libraries really banded together and provided uh, uh, hotspots for people, um, even yeah. um, even as far away as uh, Philadelphia, where I'm originally from the Philly area, go birds. Um, <laughs> have to throw that in there, even though we just lost. Um, <laughs> but uh, Philadelphia, the, uh, uh, the home of Comcast, Comcast uh, created uh, hotspots and I forget what exactly they called them, but it was almost like, uh, yeah, just hotspots, areas of opportunity for 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 kids and also for adults to have internet access, to maybe get a warm meal, um, to cool off, you know, in the summer time. Um, so, and in all the while, having that access to YouTube. Mm-hmm. to Khan Academy, to these online resources and even print resources too. Um, you know, if it's not for learning, then maybe you just got to educate or uh, entertain yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we try to keep these short and I always kick myself for it because I'd love to keep talking whenever I have a guest on. Um, I always think it's super interesting stuff, but time is up. Um, And I'm going to say thank you so much, Kevin, for joining us today. Thank you. Yeah, this was fun. And listeners, uh, tune in next week for another episode of the C2C podcast. And thank you for listening. (laughs) 